Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week we're finishing our study of the Gospel of Mark. If you'd like more resources like this one, check out our online library at thevillagechapel.com resources. Our team carefully curates a variety of articles, books, and video content, and we pray these tools would help you think biblically in all categories of life so that we all might be formed more into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Jim. So after the betrayal and arrest of Jesus, he goes through a series of three religiously-oriented trials and three politically-oriented trials. The religious leaders, you'll remember, um, did everything they could to come up with some kind of case against Jesus, um, whereby they could drag Jesus to the Roman authorities who had the power of capital punishment because the religious leaders did not have the power of capital punishment. So we pick up in Mark chapter 15, and this has been a long night, but early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and the scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation. And binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him to Pilate. So you can see we're going to go from, uh, literally from those three religious-oriented trials now to these three political. So Mark, Mark is going to truncate that and just kind of combine it and give us a more concentrated version of it. But if you read Mark, uh, if you read rather Matthew, Luke, and John, you get a full picture of what's going on. Well, Pilate is the one they lead him to. He's the pro- procurator in that area. He's like a governor, okay? And he works for the Roman Empire. And um, uh, he is the one that uh, the religious leaders are going to drag Jesus before. He questioned Jesus, Pilate did. Are you the king of the Jews? That's a pointed question. Uh, And as the religious leaders are trying to sort of uh, put together a case for a political insurrection or some kind of a political motivation to what Jesus is doing. That's what they that's what they have to do if they want to get the Romans on board. Because the Romans don't really care about religious blasphemy. And even though the religious leaders have all been convinced that Jesus was blasphemous, um, and Jesus, by the way, Jesus would have been blasphemous if what he was saying wasn't true. For him to say he's the son of God, for him to say he's the Messiah, for him to acknowledge that he's the Christ, um, when he actually is the Christ, is not blasphemy at all. So they present Jesus to Pilate, and the whole idea of him being king of the Jews is what they're, again, you know, sort of moving it over into the political realm. So he, Pilate, asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, it is as you say. Oh, that's interesting. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. So they start, you know, they're, they're, they're starting to jump in and gang up on him and, and really uh, loudly and harshly. Pilate questioned him again, saying, do you not answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer. So Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. The man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. So there's a guy named Barabbas who has indeed been found guilty of insurrection and guilty of murder. He's a criminal. 
And uh, this is, you know, this uh, Jesus being accused of insurrection. And this guy's actually committed it as well as murdered some people on top of that. And it, what's fascinating to me is this man's name, Barabbas, actually means son, Bar means son of. His name means son of the father. Now, isn't that an irony? That here, a man with the name son of the father is going to actually be, his place on a cross is going to be taken by Jesus, who's the son of God the father. Um, Watch how this goes about. The man named Barabbas had been in prison with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. Uh, verse 8, the crowd went up and began asking him to do, asking Pilate to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had handed Jesus over because of envy. Now, I love this when, you know, somebody like Pilate, a Roman, a non-believer, can see something very clearly, what's going on here, with these self-righteous religious leaders, that they're envious of Jesus, and that's what motivates them. Verse uh, 11, But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. Answering again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with him whom you call king of the Jews? And they all shouted back, Crucify him. Mm. But Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Um, Wow. Wishing to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, you know, and this is meaning whipped, cat and nine tails, he handed him over to be crucified. Now, if you have time, it'd be great for you to go through Matthew, Luke, and John, read the accounts there as well. They fill in some of the other details, and it's always helpful to see that. Uh, one of the details, Pilate's wife told him, don't have anything to do with that man, meaning Jesus. Uh, she had a bad dream, and, and in the dream, she just got this foreboding sense that to be involved at all to, with, with Jesus was not a good idea. You know, from the other accounts, I think it's Luke's account, tells us that Pilate tried to wash his hands symbolically saying, I got nothing to do. This is on you if you, you know, and yet it's Pilate, you know, who's the one who's actually giving the order for him to be crucified. Pilate is a bit of a people pleaser, I guess is where I'm going here. And um, he just wants to keep the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. He doesn't want there to be a riot. And the self-righteous religious leaders have stirred up the crowd to yell, crucify him, crucify him. Were some of these, some of the same ones that on the Palm Sunday, when Jesus first came into Jerusalem during that that trip to Jerusalem, uh, were they some of the same ones that said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord? I don't know. We can't necessarily connect those dots, but there's a whole crowd of people right here that have been stirred up by the religious leaders to yell, crucify him when Pilate says, what shall I do with this Jesus, king of the Jews? And so they get Barabbas, a a real insurrectionist, a real, even a murderer beyond that, and they get him released. Um, And that's, they'd rather have that 
than have this one Jesus who's been going around the countryside preaching the good news of the gospel, forgiveness of sins by grace through faith, as well as healing thousands upon thousands of people and setting people free. And they want him to be crucified and Barabbas to be released. Mm -hmm. So the soldiers took him away, we're told in verse 16, into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. Uh, This is the Fortress Antonia. It's part of the Temple Mount area. They dressed him, Jesus, up in purple, and after twisting a crown of thorns, they put it on him. Um, You know, it's probably said too politely there. They jammed it on his head, and it, it likely was quite painful when they did that, and caused quite a bit of blood to flow down onto his head. And they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews! They're literally mocking Jesus. They're literally mocking Jesus, this this healer, this uh, gentle and lowly Jesus, uh, who came to die for even the ones that are now mocking him. Okay? Verse uh, 19, they kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off him and put his own garments on him and they led him out to crucify him. And they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. Now, this detail uh, that's given here is fascinating uh, because there's a guy named Rufus that shows up in the book of Acts, and Simon the Cyrene is a uh, the man who is identified here by Mark as the father of Alexander and Rufus. And he's sort of, you know, a, a passerby coming from the country, Uh, Cyrene would have been over in what we call Libya today, probably 800-mile journey. He's made that 800-mile journey to come and to uh, worship, to offer a sacrifice during the Passover, that kind of thing. And little did he know he was going to get way more than he thought he had come for. Um, If indeed he's the father of the Rufus that's mentioned in the book of Acts, uh, then what he got was... Um, the opportunity to serve Jesus, who he likely becomes a disciple of later after Jesus uh, rises from the dead. Well, that's all I want to read today because I want to, uh, we've got, we'll have three more episodes here in our study of the Gospel of Mark. I want to look at the crucifixion um, and the burial. I want to look at the resurrection. Oh, so, so beautiful and amazing. And then I want to look at the commissioning of the disciples. Uh, and us by extension as well. So three trials that were religious, the one before Annas, the one before Caiaphas, and then uh, Jesus facing that really late night assembly of the Sanhedrin, the whole religious council. And after those three religious trials, um, really three trials that were more political in nature, um, that's not included here in Mark's gospel, but let me just give you a rundown of what they are. First, this first appearance before Pilate, and then Pilate will send Jesus off to Herod Antipas, the sort of sort of one of the kings in the area there. And you, you can read about that if you'd like to in Luke chapter 
23. Um, so you got Pilate, then Herod, and then Herod returns Jesus back to Pilate for further questioning. And you can read about that. It, it, it all looks makes a lot more sense in Luke chapter 23, if you would like. Feel free to go and read that. But it was then in this second appearance before Pilate, so that's the third trial, um, that although he had symbolically washed his hands, as we read about in the other gospel records, um, Pilate sentences Jesus to death. And he does it because he's a people pleaser. He's, he's just trying to please the crowds. Um, he... You know, if you if you read all four of the accounts, by the way, it's fascinating to me. I counted three times that Pilate questions whether or not Jesus is guilty of anything, strongly suggesting that Pilate was literally, I, I'd say literally, declaring Jesus innocent, but such a people pleaser that he has to you know, turn him over for death uh, by Roman crucifixion. Now, I have sought to persuade you all the way through our study of Mark's gospel um, that these eyewitness accounts, the four gospel records, uh, really want to present to us um, uh, the historical narrative around the life and teachings of Jesus, and that Mark in particular is concerned with two questions. Who is Jesus? And secondly, how should we respond to Jesus? And what I think is helpful is almost every passage we've looked at, those two questions really do come into play. They're implied at least, aren't they? And this one included. Uh, Let me run it down for you. I'll put this list in the show notes for you. The religious leaders, they hated Jesus and wanted to do away with Jesus. Um, some of them, even though they knew that he had some kind of rightful claim to be considered Messiah, God's Messiah. And yet, because they didn't want to give up their privilege, their power, their prestige, um, they were jealous of him. And even Pilate saw that. We read that, didn't we, today? So um, the religious leaders hated Jesus, wanted to do away with Jesus. They had had it with Jesus. He had bested them more than once, even in the temple in front of everybody. Um, His teaching and healing ministry had increased his popularity with the people, and he was a threat to them, and so they hated him. And they were all along the way through Mark, we've been told, all the way from chapter three, actually, that they've had murder on their mind. Um, How did Pilate respond to Jesus? Well, he... He asked questions. He interrogated Jesus. And he, you know, maybe they were genuine questions. I don't know. I know that in one of the other accounts, when he, uh, Jesus says something about truth, Pilate says, oh, what is truth? And he, he walks out of the room, doesn't even wait for an answer. So uh, he's not genuinely interested in the question or the answer to that question. Uh, and he genuinely, you know, we, we know he washes his hands. He's trying to wash his hands symbolically and say, I got nothing to do with this. This isn't on me. This is on you to the religious guys. Who was Pilate? He was the Roman procurator or the governor, prefect. These are different names for somebody who's not the king but he's got like he's got like a secondary role uh, but he does have he, he is the governor of of Jerusalem in that area there and um he ran in his role I think 26 to 36 AD um 
And it wasn't long ago, by the way, that uh, some liberal scholars uh, who uh, sort of questioned the accuracy of the Bible, uh, they didn't think there was such a person as Pontius Pilate because they had not seen any extra biblical information about somebody named Pontius Pilate. But in June of 1961, some Italian archaeologists found a large stone inscription in Caesarea by the sea with the words Pontius Pilate prefect of Judea on it. Once again, the Bible proves to be a credible source of historical information. I've actually been to Caesarea by the Sea six times and seen that. If you've gone with us on one of our trips to Israel, to the Holy Land, you probably saw it too. Um, and I, I, that, that's just remarkable to me that archaeology continues to show our Bible to be uh, credible and the, the veracity, the truthfulness of the Bible is really, really strong. So as it relates to his handling of the situation with Jesus, I think Pilate, again, serving as a sort of example of a people pleaser, is willing to give up Jesus to please others. And I, you know, in softer ways, don't we all uh, look back on our own lives and find ourselves at some point giving up or giving um, giving away some of our testimony, uh, some of our witness to Jesus uh, because of the way we cave in in different ways to please others uh, or to be seen uh, in their eyes uh, with approval. Um, Barabbas, how about him? How did he respond to Jesus? Well, we don't really know. Um, we're not really told that, but I got a feeling he went whew, quite a bit. Uh, Barabbas was set free because he was literally, um, legally, judicially, and politically set free because of Jesus in this particular instance. My hope and prayer is that he was also set free spiritually because of Jesus. As I said, his name, meaning son of the father, is so ironic that the, the son of God, the father, actually would take his place on a Roman cross and die in his place. Um, just as Jesus did for me, and he took my sins with him, your sins with him, when he went to the cross to pay the price for our sins and satisfy the wrath of God and the holiness of God, and the righteousness of God. All of that satisfied in the finished work of Christ on the cross. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. That's for the next episode. The Roman soldiers, what about them? Uh, they're here in this storyline, aren't they? They mocked Jesus in verses 16 through 20. Um, and again, this is Mark's abbreviated version. So there are several sets of those soldiers, some with Pilate in, the, in that area there, some that would be with Herod, some uh, maybe a different shift of them with Pilate when, uh, when Herod sends Jesus back to uh, Pilate for further questioning and for that final, um, uh, you know, the final verdict on on Jesus. But notice how brutality flourishes where, uh, w whenever human beings begin to act like animals or mere animals, and we see it in our own day and time. We see it in uh, sort of the um, the way a mob can be incited to riot. Um, we see it all the time. Um, uh, and and that's exactly what happens here. They get sort of bloodthirsty. These guys who are uh, professional executioners, professional torturers, and they mock him. They spit on him. Uh, they put a 
uh, a purple robe on him, uh, a ro like a royal colored robe, to make fun of the fact that he's being called King of the Jews. Um, they put that crown of thorns on his head. Um, and it's just uh, unconscionable. It's just, un I just, it's hard for me to even talk about it. But, um, and yet Jesus, all the while knowing that he's undergoing all of that, uh, likely praying for them because he's going to die for them and perhaps even some of them uh, as i i really do believe so the centurion that it will be with jesus at the cross um will turn to recognize that truly jesus is the son of god um how do you respond to jesus here we have the religious leaders uh, here we have Pilate. here we have these uh uh, these soldiers, and there's one. There, there's one other one, by the way, Simon the Cyrene, uh, which uh, we just read about here. But traveled 800 miles to come to uh, the feast, got so much more than he ever thought he was going to get. Um, thank God that uh, Simon didn't say, "That's not my job." I I didn't sign up for that. Uh, Jesus calls you and I to do something similar, though, doesn't he, to what Simon did? He said, if anybody wants to follow me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Denying the self is not the same as self-denial. Self-denial is like dieting, you know, with Jenny Craig or something like that. Uh, denying the self is saying no to our self, our selfishness. We live in a world that tells us to say yes to ourself all the time. Um, if you want it, if you desire it, then you should have it, is the way the world looks at this. And um, the biblical view is no, 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 no. Our wanter is broken. Uh, we constantly find ourselves wanting things that actually aren't good for us. Or wanting good things in a measure that wouldn't be good for us. Uh, or wanting to avoid some good things altogether. So our wanter, the part of us that wants things and doesn't want other things, is genuinely broken and it needs uh, redemp redemption, the kind of redemption that only Jesus can bring to us. I'll close with this quote by uh, a friend, uh, Christopher, J., uh, Christopher Wright is a theologian, um, brilliant Old Testament scholar, but also has a uh, just a great Bible teacher. Um, and he has a, a little book, um, uh, To the Cross, which uh, just is so brilliant. I hope you'll take time to get one of these. Uh, it it uh, put out by Langham Publishing, if you want to look for it. But he said this about Jesus as he's going through all of this suffering, um, the scourging, you know, with the whips and everything, and, and the cross itself, the ultimate, you know, giving away his life for us. Uh, Chris uh, says, he could have saved himself the agony. He could have saved himself from death. He could have saved himself from his mockers and his torturers. He could have saved himself. But if he had done so, then he could not have saved us. For it was through his atoning death on our behalf and by bearing our sins in his own body on the tree that we are saved. Yeah, like he's so right.
Well, I hope you'll read ahead. Just three more episodes, like I said earlier, left here in our Timeless Truth study of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, And I've so enjoyed it. But I hope you'll read ahead and join me for those last three episodes. And please do feel free to pass this along to others that you think might enjoy a walk through the Gospel of Mark together. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for coming. You didn't have to, and yet you did because of your great love for us. We're so grateful, Lord. We lift up the empty hands of faith and receive from you what we could never achieve on our own, the gift of life in your name. We praise you and bless you for this day. And we pray, Lord, that as we go out, uh, the gospel would be heard in our words and seen in our deeds. We pray this in the name of Jesus and for his sake, amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's study. Take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or follow us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.